The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. The title of this is Jesus Appears to His Disciples. As they were talking about these things, Jesus Himself stood among them. He said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit. And He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and he ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses And the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The Gospel of our Lord. When I say Jesus Christ is risen, you say, is risen indeed. Stop. Let's practice that. Now for everybody, this is for them, but it's, it's it's a family thing here. If I say Jesus Christ is risen, the church says, He is risen indeed. But stop. Don't say the next part. Pause. The next part, special word, beautiful word. (laughs) So the word that we say after that response is hallelujah. Now, what do you think the word means? What do you think the word means? Hallelujah. What does it mean? If you think you know what it means, I'm not going to call on you right now. I'm just kind of curious to see how many of us in here think we know what the word means. If you think you know what the word hallelujah means, raise your hand just a little bit so I can see. I've got a couple. Keep them up. Keep them up. That's not very many. The first song we sang, how many times did we say the word hallelujah? The very first song we sang. Four verses. We said it four times per verse. We we sang the word 16 times. We don't even know what it means. I mean, we're just kind of like Christians. We're using a Christian word, but we don't even know what the word means. It's kind of crazy how we just go about the business of Christianity. Sometimes the world doesn't, they don't get it either. We use words like that and they look at us and say, what are you guys thinking? What does that mean? It's like special to you, but I don't get it. We have the name Emmanuel. It's special to us. The world doesn't get what it means. Emmanuel, is that just some name of some guy from Latin America? Right? Emmanuel? We don't even use that word. What does it mean? If you don't know what it means, how can it be special? Yes, ma'am. No. A dude in the New Testament. <laughs> Love it. Emmanuel's a dude in the New Testament. We've got to help this fellow know, okay? 
So alleluia. Alleluia. All right, so here's what it is. It's not necessarily a word. It is a phrase. Okay? And the phrase is two parts. Two parts. It's a Hebrew word. Alel is the word. It's a verb. It's, a, it's, a, it's the first part for which we get alleluia, that part of the word. So on that, it is an imperative Word, form of that word and it's actually sitting in the masculine so so in the imperative is like if i say stand up if i'm telling you like if i'm a coach or a parent or something like that and i'm saying do something if i say put the book down that's like an imperative i'm in i'm implying that you got to do that and you got to do it now so the form of this hillel is an imperative it's an action it's a verb and what that word is it is praise it's a command so after I say, Christ is risen, and you cry, He is risen indeed, the command both ways is, Alleluia, praise. Don't think about it. Praise. But the second part of that word, of Hillel, the second part of the phrase, is just Y-A-H. Now, there was a name for God, Y-H-W-H. We don't, we don't even know what... And just a sense of holiness for God's name about the second temple period. So about three, third century before Jesus in the BC, they stopped using that word. They didn't say the name of God. It was, they, they didn't want to misuse it. So at that point, they just start using, in the Bible, they use the word Adonai instead. Instead of using the name of God, Y-H-W-H, and how they pronounce that, they just said Adonai, Lord. And um, so now when we have this praise, the last letters are Y and H. It's even abbreviated form of that. It's even abbreviated form of that. So they're basically saying, praise the holy name God. God proper, the God of all creation, for which you have caution on how you say his name because you don't want to misuse it. So when we say hallelujah, we're saying praise God. Praise God. It's a command. Hallelujah. All right, so now that we got that part, we go on. Today is still Easter. We're still in the season of Easter. The historic church for which we are direct descendants of an ancient church, we still follow the liturgies of an ancient church. We, we remember the life cycle of Jesus every year, the same year, we, the same story every year. We just remember. So we're linked to that ancient church. The ancient church just loves to keep Easter going. Just keeps it going. How many of you know how long your Easter celebration is? How, how long is your Easter celebration? Take a guess. One week, two weeks, three weeks? Would be three weeks, good answer. How long do you think Easter celebration is? Two weeks maybe? What would you say? 40 days? Oh, that's a good biblical answer. Good upgrading. <laughs> how long is Easter? Four weeks? How long is Easter, church? How long do we celebrate Easter? How long? All year? Well, every Sunday's a little Easter. It is. Um, technically, it, not quite. We do celebrate for the rest of our life. It's always with us. But in the church season, how long is Easter? Six weeks? Do I get seven, 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 seven weeks? Do we have... <laughs> I, don't know how to, I don't know how to do that. I just was making something up. How long is Easter, folks? Who knows? If you really think you know, raise your hand. Yes, sir. How long do we celebrate Easter? Seven weeks, a week of weeks, 
Seven times seven, 49. So you have Easter day and you have a week of weeks, 50 days. We should have known that. What, do, what ends Easter? What's that big celebration we have after Easter celebration? The next big one. Pentecost. 50, pent, right? Pentecost, 50. There's a hint, church. We remember these things as a church. 50 days remembering Easter. Now, why is it that Jesus would want us to remember Easter and stay in the city remembering Easter for 50 days? I'm going to give you a hint about this. We... When God's looked at us as people, he's almost always said, wow, look at their hard hearts. Look at, look at how they just don't love each other. Look at, they don't love me enough to keep my commandments of heaven. I know exactly what's best for them, and I love you so much. Would you just do it and have the best of life? And we say, no, we want to do our way, and we get a curse. So we don't love God. We don't love each other. That's a hard heart. And also a hard head. We're just stubborn. Then we don't even say we're sorry. And we just, you mean, it's, we have hard hearts and hard minds like in that. And so in there, it might take just a little while for it to soak in. Maybe one time is not enough. Maybe you have to hear it again and then again and again for 50 days before it soaks in. Hence these things right up here. Why don't you come take a look at this? See this glass of water? Check this out. Watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it right here. You got to get closer. You're too far away. Come on. Watch where I'm going to put it. Can you see? Watch. First of all, what is this? A rock. It's a rock, right? It's a hard rock. It's limestone, actually. What's on the rock? What's the picture? Um, a bird. It's a bird, right? Can you see that? What's, it, what's in the bird's mouth? Um, a leaf. It's like a leaf, like a branch. A long time ago, I'll stand up so you guys can see, a long time ago, when I left one place where they had lots of limestone art, and I was being sent to another place to serve as a pastor, um, one of the call committee huddled up and they said, we got this for you. And they said, sometime in your history, God gave you his truth and his peace. And you came here and you shared his truth and his peace with us. And now you're being sent to another congregation, another family to share the same truth and peace. When you see this rock, remember what you're sent to do, but also remember some people that you shared your time with. So there's a date. There's a family memory, right? So now watch what I'm going to do with this little rock. I'm going to put some of this water right here. Tell me what's going to happen. Is it, it's kind of pouring off, right? Now check this out. What's right in front of it? Yeah, it's very. It's just, I don't know about the scientific reaction and the chemistry reaction right now. I got water on limestone, but now watch this. I'm pouring this water on top of this, this paper towel. What's happening to the paper towel? It's wet. Which one absorbed it? The paper. This this didn't absorb it. Really? Look, that's just still floating right there. Wow, but this one did absorb it, right? It took all the water and it just took it in. So there's your visual thing about what's going on for 50 days. We have to hear it over and over and over again for it to soak in. We're stones. Now check this out. I'm going to dump some of it back in there. Did it get some of the water in? Does it look like the rock's wet? Yeah, it's wet. It is wet. But some of the water actually started to soak in, even just in a minute. See that? It's just not wet on the outside. It started going on the inside. 
Exactly. When, when you're in a cave, in Mexico we go to caves, the cenotes, and we dive in those caves with scuba equipment, and you have salt water here and fresh water here. It's because water's flowed through there so much, now it makes a space. How does that relate to what Jesus is doing? If you're this stone, if he flows in you enough, he'd create more space for him, right? There's all kinds of analogies with this space. This space, actually, the longer it sits, the more it absorbs. The longer you're exposed to this, the more it absorbs, right? All right, guys, why don't you guys go back to your chairs. We're going to continue our talk with this. 50 days. 50 days of hearing the message. Now think about this. Today's the third Sunday in Easter. This Sunday alone has a very special history. Today we're going to remember that history. In Latin, there was a name for this day. It was called Jubilate Sunday. Anybody have a clue what Jubilate means? Latin Jubilate? I mean, I'm not going to, we're not going to laugh at each other if we give bad answers. What's, what's your guess? Celebration. Celebration, joy. All right, so that's exactly it. It is a joyful Sunday. And it's not kind of like the quiet, like I'm going to keep the joy really deep, deep, deep in my heart. It's like, woohoo! He's alive! It is, my team just won the national title and we're cutting the hoops and we're celebrating. We're going to go home and drink beer with our friends and get rowdy and just celebrate. We just won! Jubilate! It's not small. It's not like reserved and calm and calculated. It's big. It's a big expressive thing, this Jubilate, this joy Sunday, this Sunday. Now, you guys heard the same Bible lessons that I heard. I was listening to them too. So when you listen to the Bible lessons, think about this question. Is it possible that we could have read today's Bible lessons two weeks ago when we were on Easter Sunday? Think about it. If you get a chance, reread them this week. That's intentional. The lessons we read today could actually have been swapped with Easter and we would have read the same things because we have Jesus appearing and his, he's, he's alive. We're remembering those same words now a couple weeks later. What's going on is that Jesus knows and the church knows that we need to hear the same message. It needs to be dripped on us constantly for 50 days for it to sink in to our hard heads in our hard minds, the stone is soaked. It's even starting to come out a little bit on the back, so it went through. It takes a while. We're intentionally hearing the same message for good reason and purpose. They need an Easter encore. God knows that our hearts and our heads need to hear it again. And you remember what the first words that Jesus says to his friends when he finds them? Peace. I think we need to hear that again today too. How many of us have been scarred by family? How many of us have been scarred by friends? Strangers. We're scarred by people that might care most or care least. How many times have we scarred people with our behaviors? We don't let it go. It haunts us. We might bear grudges. It haunts us. Instead of having liberation of heaven and the symbol that's on the stone of a dove, we're tied up in knots on the inside. Even now, three weeks after Easter, we need to hear peace. 
Jesus has every right to be unhappy with these men and ladies. They abandoned him. They, they denied him. He has every right to be mad at the communities around him because they shouted crucify. Even the ones who maybe he healed, where were they to defend him? These people have done horrendous things to him and he does not bear a grudge. He defeated that evil on a cross and all he gives is love and peace. And yes, we should never grow tired of hearing that greeting from our Lord, peace. Receive it. If he gives it, we absolutely receive it. If we call ourselves a church and we don't act like that, and stop calling ourselves church because that's who Jesus is and that's who he calls us to be. Peace. Now he says that to these guys who are hiding in the upper room. Now what they don't, here's part of the story that we don't get. This, this day that this is happening that we just remembered, it's the nighttime. Not just the evening, now it's nighttime. First thing in the morning that day, the ladies are going to take care of their duties. They're going to take care of a dead body, their beloved Jesus, their, their rabbi. And when they get there, two angels show up in Luke's gospel. And they say, he's not here. And the angels are trying to stir them up. Don't you remember what he told you? He said this was going to happen. And he also said he's not going to be here on the third day. He's alive. And these angels, these two people they saw, scared him, but also gave him communion. And they run back to the disciples in Luke's gospel. And they tell them what's going on. They tell the apostles who are hiding in this room, all sad and just beat up from what's been going on the last three days. And then one of those disciples, Peter, he runs to the tomb. And when he gets to the tomb, nothing's there. But something happened between when he was there and there was an empty tomb in that night because he sees Jesus. It's a, it's a default. We hear that by a commentary later on. We don't necessarily read about Jesus' interaction. We just know it happens. So we have Peter going back. Now he's going back to the room and telling them what he's seen and done. And then in Luke's gospel, right after some of this morning event, we got two guys leaving the city. We're out of here. We've just experienced what had happened on this Passover. We watched Jesus get crucified. We're leaving town. It's a little too dangerous for us. I don't want to be on that, that wooden cross either. Now they're walking to Emmaus, a town about seven miles outside of town. On their way to walk to Emmaus, Jesus starts walking with them. They don't even know who he is, but he's walking. And they start sharing stories. He starts opening up the Old Testament scriptures and all the things that were going to happen. And when it gets dark, they say, well, why don't you come on in? Because it's not safe to travel at night. Sometimes you might get robbed or beaten up or killed or something just to take the clothes off your back. So he joins them. And as he breaks bread, as he's breaking the bread, all of a sudden their eyes or minds are open. They know who it is. It's Jesus. And then he's gone. And then they start saying, they look at each other. Was this real? Could you believe that? Just, and, and they realize it was real. And so, boom, they run seven miles to Jerusalem because they get back in the night. It's not like early in the morning. They had to have run seven miles to get back to Jerusalem. And now that they're there, this is when our Bible lesson picks up. And while they're talking about these things, the first sentence of today's gospel lesson, all these things are in their head, on their minds. And the very first thing he says is peace. He enters their room and he says, peace. He didn't knock at the door. Yeah, these guys were with us this morning. He didn't knock at the door to get in. He was just suddenly there with them. Jesus got in. And even after here and all that had taken place that day, the disciples were not prepared 
to have Jesus show up. They were shocked. They were shocked joy. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's too good to be true? Raise your hand. Have you heard the phrase, it's too good to be true? And then you say, and if they say that's too good, be, too good to be true, then it probably isn't, right? Isn't that the next part? Oh, that's too, boy, I bought, I, they're going to sell that car for $2,000 and it's a 1918, you know, 2018 IROG Z something fast, right? And sexy, $2,000. Well, that's too good to be true. It probably isn't, right? Well, if you want to know the source of the shocked, it's too good to be true, it's today's gospel lesson. Jesus is alive. The scars didn't win. Death doesn't win. Sin doesn't win. And he's in their midst. And they're so shocked and overwhelmed by his being with them after everything that's happened, they don't even, they, they can't even, they can't even speak hardly. We watched this show, uh, the, the Fixer Upper. And at the end of the show, after they've done all the work, they pull the slides across so you can see the old house first. And they pull it across, you see the new house. And almost every time when you see that show, the very first thing they do is this. They cover their faces, and then they say, oh, they go off. If they're shocked about that, how much more shocked about Jesus? In their midst, shocked, joyful, covering their mouths, covering their eyes. They're just overwhelmed in that. It is too good to be true. And it is too good to be true. He helps this good news sink in. He shows up and he, friends, he says, friends, look, look, use your eyes. It's me. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. I'm not an imposter. I'm not a fake guy who's just showing up here saying I'm your friend. I'm, it's me. I am alive. Touch. Understand. Believe. I am not a ghost. I'm eating food. Ghosts don't do that. He's pouring it on. It's almost like you can imagine Niagara Falls is beating onto this hard heart, this hard mind, and they don't get it, but he's pouring it on. The full experience of Easter is being poured on. He knows that they can't take it all. It's going to pour off just like it did on the table over here, but still he's pouring it. Why would he do that? Think about it. Why would he keep pouring it on for 50 days? Because some of it's going to sink in. But on the 50th day, there's going to be a Pentecost. There's going to be a Holy Spirit coming. And with the Holy Spirit, they will be able to remember everything He said, everything He did. And it won't just seek in a little bit. It will be flowing through them and so much that it even makes a cave like the little man said. It makes the caves and we have stalactites giving and mites receiving and you have all that interaction. It's going to be big, but we're not there yet. We're still just 15 days into Easter. Pentecost comes. He's pouring it. He's pouring it out. He's pouring it out. On this day, Jubilate Sunday, it is enough for us to prayerfully ask God to let this message sink in. Let God's peace bring healing to the places I'm either angry or I'm wounded and I'm carrying grudges or I've wounded people and I need to apologize. Let that peace come in and bring healing to the church. God, come in with this truth and let us believe that sins are forgiven. When they're forgiven, they're done. Don't even bring them up again. You're forgiven. That you're loved. 
And as the first, as the John, one of the apostles there this night, one of the lessons he gave us, it's a beautiful thing, we make songs out of it. He says, what manner of love is this? That we would be called children of God. You are loved. You are loved. We don't have to understand how big the love is, but we will believe it. And eventually it will sink in and it will permeate us and fill us up. And then when the time is right, we'll hear the end of the gospel lesson and we'll be more less like a stone and more like a paper towel. Because once a paper towel is received, it has the capacity to give. Right? We give it away. We do not hoard his peace, his love, and his forgiveness as if we're not going to get more. If he forgives us, we forgive them. If he loves us, we love them. If he feeds us, we feed them. We are his church on earth. We are to be less like the stone and more like the napkin. Give it away. If the napkin wants more, I got more. I could refill it. Be the church. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.